Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We're um, an interesting time, shall we say. Um, it is March 23rd. 2020, even though um, I'm not sure that's when this is going to come out to you guys. I feel like it's effective and um, interesting to mark time right now in that way. So that's what we're going to do today. But um, we are going to talk to an author. Her name is Angelie Pascal. Did I pronounce that right, Angelie? That's that's good. That's good. Okay, good. Okay. I want to make sure I do it right. Um, and there there are lots of things about Angelie, but one of those being that she has a new book um, out called Stay. And I'm going to let her introduce her, herself to you guys, but we're going to just really jump right in and start digging into this message. So Angelie, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, I sure will. It's so great to be here, Rebecca and Rebecca. Um, <laughs> my name is Angelie and I am a mama to five kiddos. We live in San Diego. Yes, it's beautiful here, but it's also been raining. And so it feels like um, even more difficult in days like this when you're inside all day. Yeah. But yeah, so my kids and I, I have a husband, Sam. We've been married almost 15 years and he is a pastor at a local church. And we kind of live in this, um, like maybe 20 minutes from the beach. And we spend our days swimming, playing outside, kind of re, uh, renovating our house here. But really, the journey for me has been um, what it means to stay. And from that question has been birthed this book. And um, so, yeah, I'm just so grateful to be here. That's awesome. So give us a kind of a short um history line or plot line of what got you to writing a book? Like you probably didn't wake up one day, you know, 10 years ago and say, Hey, I'm going to write a book. Or maybe you did, <laughs> but but I'm assuming there was a journey of your ministry and a journey of your life that got you to this point. Um, and maybe other parts of your ministry that you could share with us before we start talking about the book. Sure. Totally. So man, it was probably about seven years ago I started writing. Um, and it was the time where blogs were really, people were really active on blogs. Yeah. And at that time, I remember I also was, had a photography business and I just kept thinking like, I just want to write more than they say I'm allowed to write on a blog. Like, I think it was, you don't want to write more than 300 words or something. Mm -hmm. And I kept, I just didn't ever want to stop. And so I was just very driven at the time to keep writing and just write different stories, write different experiences, write pain, write joy. And I probably, I did that during nap time when the kids went to sleep, um, before they got up. And after a year, I looked at what I wrote and I thought, wow, I guess this is a book. And <laughs> so at that point, you know, we were having more kids and, you know, lots of different transition. And so the book really sat on my desktop for oh my gosh, seven, six, six, seven years until at one point an editor reached out to me and said, Hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, well, that is so funny because I have one written. Here you go. <laughs> Ready to go. That's a nice way to do that. <laughs> yeah. So it's this really lovely reminder, I think to myself and each of us that the story is never done. You know, I, I, there's not, it's not usually a straight line from A to B. It's usually, 
A to C to F back to B and how God writes this journey. And, and so it was such a sweet reminder of like, yeah, just be faithful to do what you're asked to do and let God take care of everything else. Yeah. Awesome. So, what, what were you going to say, Rebecca? Sorry. Were you gonna oh, say I was just going to say that um, we read a lot of books, both of us, per- personally and professionally. And I think that what really struck me about yours was the depth and the honesty um, that you wrote with. I feel like I just really, it gave me space to be honest about those things for me. Just those like, you wrote about some dark moments and motherhood and just things like that, that I was, I felt like I could relate to you so much. And like, um, like this isn't like just another fluffy Christian women's book. I just want to make that clear before we (laughs) continue our interview. Yeah. I, I've said this again and again, like, uh, this is not a fix, a fix it book. This is not a how to book. This is not a self-help book. Um, this is really an invitation to each woman out there who, who I think, tell me what you guys think. I think we all have that whisper inside of us that says stay mm-hmm. like th- these dark areas in our lives, these painful places in our lives, these difficult relationships. I think there that that's the way God works. There's this quiet, gentle whisper to stay. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, who it's very, it's hard. And so really the only, I guess, quote unquote answer I would give you is to sit at the table of your soul with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot, I think we crave how to's. We want people to tell us what to do so we can get out of the situation. But getting out is really not the way, it's not really the destination. Getting out is really the destination is to stay with Jesus. And so, yes, I think sometimes it's hard for people when it's like, well, 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 what do I do? And it's like, well, no, I think when we start to answer the question, what do we do? We're already missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. So before we dig in this a little bit more, let's let our listener, because both Rebecca and I have read the book and you wrote the book. So yeah. <laughs> you, you know what, what we're saying when we, and we know what you're saying when you say stay. Can you give, I mean, just a couple lines of like, I guess the thesis of the book or, you, or like the main point of the yeah. book and what you mean by stay so that when we start asking, asking more questions about the book, people know what we're saying when you say the importance of staying and, and how yeah. we, we have that whisper to stay. So people know what that means. Totally. So stay is really a tender call to to follow your everyday aches, your disappointment, and even your deepest pain. And as you follow those places inside of you that begin to emerge, you actually discover that those places become the pathway to intimacy with Christ. Mm -hmm. And so each chapter of my book really addresses different places in a woman's life where we are resistant to staying. We don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. For instance, for instance um, loneliness, for instance, guilt, for instance, shame, mistakes, failure. And so instead of, right, again, giving you a fix it, oh, this is how you can deal with your anxiety, or this is how you can get rid of loneliness. It's really like, hey, I, I, like you said, kind of expose my heart and expose the deeper places as a way to invite you, the reader, to have your own heart exposed. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So 
So the goal is not to get rid of loneliness, but what does it mean to meet with God in my loneliness and have him fill the loneliness? Mm -hmm. I think that's what I appreciate so much about the book um, is that I, so I've been, I have been in the Christian publishing world for a while and not that I've written a book, but that I'm trying to write books. (laughs) And so I have lots of conversations with editors and agents and all of the things. And, and for years I've gotten the, um, the tendency or the the push to be more prescriptive. And I get that push. Like I understand the push in the publishing war, world for pre- prescriptiveness. But um, I, I, lo- I what I really love is story-based um, teaching. And, and that doesn't mean your book is just full of just stories. Like there's obviously the, the, the beauty in telling stories is people listen to somebody else's story and can like identify it with, with them in their own story. So it's not a memoir of this is just my story, but like, as you tell your story, we can match that with our story and we can see where, and so that's what I appreciate. So, so there's a teaching in there, right. And there's a guiding in there and there's a pushing in there and a pulling and, and, and helping us to think and feel and all those things, but we do it in a way that we like identify with your story instead of identifying with like lists or charges or (laughs) prescriptions. Right. And so I think that's, I, I, for me, that's what I appreciate about the book. And I'm hoping that that is the trajectory that people are wanting to write towards when they write a book. Um, these days. Like, I hope that's, I hope this is the way we're going in Christian publishing is towards the style of writing. So that is what I appreciated about it. So, um, thank you so much. That's like such a, a, a really amazing compliment. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. Okay. So let's dig in a little bit more. So, um, so at least for me and Rebecca may agree with this as well. Rebecca Cochran might agree with this as well, but like, my first instinct when we, when I hit something that's difficult and we're in the middle of a difficult time um, nationally and globally right now with, with COVID-19 and with the quarantines and the stay in places and all of this. And like, it's presenting financial difficulties as um, presenting um, social, like distancing difficulties, it's preventing schooling difficulties, all these things. And, And my first instinct is to run into hide. And, and it's so much easier to do that, but you're offering a different way in your book of dealing with these difficulties. So how exactly does staying instead of running um, bring us into more intimacy with Jesus? Like, why is that the better way? Mm. I think when we say stay, it can be a very big word, right? There's, there's a, there's a, it's a big word and I want to kind of even break it down for you when we think about even our life situation right now. And a very simple way we can look at that is small, medium, large, right? So mm-hmm. right now in our lives, you, you ladies, there are these small things in your life that you are resistant to doing. And there's medium things and there's large things and not just doing, but feeling. And here's an example of something small right? Um, you get a text message from someone and your instinct, your first reaction, it triggered something in you. And either that's irritation or frustration or sadness or anger to which you don't want to respond to that text message, right? In in what you were saying, Rebecca, it's like, you just want to avoid it or run away from it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think this is very common right now with social media, all the different opinions going on about the virus, right? 
and it's triggering stuff to the point where you like want to throw your phone across the room, right? <laughs> and so there, the, the thing I want to invite us into is paying attention to your resistance. Mm-hmm. So that moment, let's just say um, someone just texted you something that triggers something that makes you irritated. We have come up with all these different strategies to how we deal with that, right? We don't return the call. We avoid them. We think bad things about them. We, you know, talk about it. We gossip about it to somebody yep. else, you know? Mm-hmm. And what I would say is, okay, that moment, pay attention to your resistance. And I want you to open your, stay with that, whatever that is, and open your heart up to God in that. So in this moment, can you even think of someone where you're like, if they sent me a text right now, I would be, I would not want to look at it. Like I wouldn't (laughs) want to respond for out of fear, even like that person intimidates you or the relationship is rocky. So it just messes with your soul a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. Does someone come to your mind? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think, yeah, right. And so think about those strategies you have and think, okay, God, this the movement of the soul instead of instead of moving into your strategy is God, I am so afraid right now. Mm-hmm. I am so afraid if I don't respond to this text message that this person will get mad at me. Or whatever that is that is triggered in your soul, open that, stay with that. God, you're here. Mm-hmm. And then you think about bigger things, right? So the financial piece that we're all in, in crisis about, really, it's like, okay, so there's something you want. There's a desire. You want, I'm just going to use even something like a new pair of shoes, right? That, that there's a, you see some, maybe you even see one of your best friends now has those shoes, right? That you want and it triggers something envy. Oh, and your strategy or mine, envy is a big thing for me. My strategy normally is like, I want something bad to happen to that person. I mean, it's it's a very evil desire, but that's a truth there. It's like, oh, I I kind of get happy if someone is Mm -hmm. in a financial crisis. Like, oh, there's something, you know, I rejoice in someone else's failure. I mean, it's sin, but it's true. And so it's identifying that. God, Mm -hmm. that's my heart. My true heart is, I want bad things to happen to people, right? And so instead of like doing all these crazy other manipulative things, like, oh God, there's that, there's that ugliness in my heart again. Stay mm-hmm. instead of moving into the strategy or even a bigger thing like trauma. I think we think of trauma like, oh, you needed to be like a war vet, you know? No, trauma, there's small trauma and there's big trauma. And so this idea of, what does it look like to give your trauma a name, to mm-hmm. value it, to honor it? Because until you deal with that trauma, and it can be a small, I mean, really like think about your siblings growing up. Did you have a sibling that teased you all the time? That's mm-hmm. trauma. Was there some, and right now we are all facing a trauma, right? Something got canceled. Your wedding was postponed. You're pregnant and you have to deliver this baby into a world where there's so much sickness. And so think about these traumas instead of, I think what we're very good at doing is thinking our feelings, but we're terrible at feeling Mm -hmm. our feelings. And then that's the stay, stay with your feelings and invite Jesus to be with you there. Long and short answer for you. No, no, that was a great answer. I I felt like that was a, that was a good, um, 
overall like overarching like message from your book like encapsulated in just a few minutes so I think another thing that we can talk about in relation to that it with everything that's going on right now in our world is anxiety um yep. and so you talk about in the book about you so you talked about just now when you just gave that answer you talked about where um you know, when we get the text or whatever, where, wherever, what was the word you used? Um, sorry, my brain's fogged too. But you talked about um, the, the feeling that we have when we get that text. Um, like the fear? The fear, but you, you said something else. Anyways, but as an indicator, where well, your in- indicator there, but like yeah. another indicator. Yeah, and, but your other indicator is anxiety. And you talked about it, it being yeah. an indicator that I am trying to control the uncontrollable. And I feel like we can, like, whether you're, whether you've been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder or not, I think we all have some kind of level of anxiety right now um, with what's going on around us because it's so uncertain and we can't control any of it. So like, how can we use that when we, we recognize the anxiety, how can we use that as a way to, to stay, to, to view that indicator? I think it's a pretty common thing with anxiety that it feels terrible. Mm-hmm. We don't like the way it feels. And so our natural reaction is to get rid of the anxiety, right? Yeah. Whatever I have to do to get rid of this feeling, I will do it. And so we do things like stay on social media for hours, or we numb ourselves with entertainment, or we suffocate ourselves in a project, you know, anything we can do to try and get that feeling out. And what I want to say is that anxiety is like, like a a sign. And I think, um, think about a sign on the freeway, right? If you're driving, what's a, what's a big town near you guys? We're in Atlanta. So say we're driving to Nashville. There you go. Right. When you see the sign Nashville in 30 miles, you don't pull over and like, cling to the sign like, Oh, I made it. No, that's just the sign. It's just pointing you to where you're going. You know, it's this anxiety is a sign pointing you back to your need for Jesus. It's this way of saying, Hey, you are trying to control something in your life that you cannot control. Yes. Sorry. Like children. (laughs) She's like, the baby's awake. Um, Yeah. And so that's the thing of like, what is, what it may talk about your anxiety instead of trying to fix it and just get rid of it or smother it. Like, what are you anxious about? Like, let's start putting words to your feelings. And as you do that, I think the anxiety, it doesn't solve it or fix it, but it's like, oh, I'm trying to control like my kid's behavior or I'm trying to control um, how my husband treats my mother, you know, mm-hmm. and there's so much in us. That's like, um, a moment by moment of, ah, oh, God, there I go again. I'm trying to control this. Yeah. I have a good example from like right now. Um, I have a really good friend. We'll call her Sarah. Sarah's not her name, but, um, I'm feeling the text message thing with her and it's because she is isolated and she's really struggling with it. And so I have felt a lot of burden to like ease her burden of isolation. And so when I see a text, I get annoyed because I'm like, okay, there's Sarah again. 
now I have to fix that we're all quarantined in our houses and she doesn't have anybody, but I'm tired and I don't have anything left to give to anybody else. And so I'm, instead of like really getting down to like, okay, so what, what's the resistance? My resistance is I can't take care of another person right now. Like that's the resistance. It's that feeling of like, like, and that might not even be what she wants, but that's how I take it is like, I can't take care of you. I can't take care of myself. But instead, I'm just sort of like annoyed and my strategy is, oh, I'll just, I'll text her back in like an hour or like, I just won't be too available. Instead of really saying like, God, I feel like I have to take care of too many people and it's too hard and everyone's upset and I don't know what to do. Oh my gosh. I just got chills. That's exactly it. Yeah. And then that, and that really is the ushering into, well, 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 Rebecca, what is God asking for you to do? Right. He's probably asking me to check in. I don't know. I mean, right now I feel like he's asking me to do a whole lot of things I can't do. And so I'm focusing on feeding everyone. (laughs) But I don't know. I mean, I I think he, you know. Angela, you should know by trade. Rebecca's a chef by trade. So feed it. She legit means I feel like she feels like she should feed everybody. That's not just a joke. (laughs) And I think my husband's yeah, I sent Chris to get yeast and he brought home nutritional yeast and was like, this is all they had. And I was like, dear God, I can't make bread with that. Um, so that's what we're doing. Um. <laughs> wow. But you know what, Rebecca, like, honestly, that, 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 that leads to a, that leads to a deeper belief that you are responsible to feed all the people right. Right. emotionally and physically. And I, yeah. I, that is the question is that, is that your responsibility to do? I don't think so. I mean, I think I just, I worry about people who are alone for extended periods of time, you know, but it isn't my job. I mean, I could like make a date or something to ease anxiety. I don't know. But um, yeah, I just realized like, wow, I'm carrying. So I think what's interesting to me is like the the burden I was carrying was not my burden, but like, that's the thing about anxiety is it magnifies everything. And it makes you think like, well, not only is COVID-19 going on, but we're not going to have a summer. And it's like, that might not be true. Like we're still going to kind of have a summer. It's going to be different, but it's just, it magnifies everything. And it makes you think that like the world is ending and it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. The world is not ending right now. So it's, it, it just tends to magnify things. And I think, um, it's helpful to kind of, that was helpful for me to think through because I realized like, oh yeah, I do have to kind of manage the emotions of the people under my roof, but I don't have to do that for everybody, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like a beautiful thing that like, uh, even for you. And I think women is like, let's start highlighting those places in your life. Because my guess is if you follow your story backwards, Rebecca, you will Mm -hmm. see that theme over and over and over again. And what does that mean for you to have freedom from that? Because I I don't think God's saying, well, now you don't have to stop, you know, you know, stop caring for people who are lonely. But I think there's the freedom in there of like, but you don't have to do it out of neurotic anxiety. Yes. Yes. You can do it out of love. Yeah, that's true. And that's a shift, but it's like, yeah, if we never, if I didn't make the effort to stay in that feeling, as you're saying, it would have just continued to be a neurotic anxiety, irritation thing. Totally. And then in time, I think, because I've had people in my life like Sarah, what happens to me with Sarah's in my life is I can't handle it anymore and I just cut them off. I mean, that's yes. like the mean, 
that's yeah. a real truth of my story of like, for sure. okay, I will take all the wounded people and help you. And then they, they actually li- do that. And then it's like, yeah. oh gosh, I can't go away. Stop. Oh, Stop. What I do. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's not, that's one, at least like a lot of pain in people's lives. And it's not, it's not from a love, it's not out of love. It's out of my, my own wound of needing to heal and fix people. Cause, oh my gosh, I need my own wounds fixed and healed. Yes. Yeah. So, so that, true. that leads me to a question yeah. about, so you're calling, um, and you believe God's calling us to stay. I mean, these hurts and these disappointments and things, these anxieties and all this resistance, but also God calls us to freedom. Um, from all of these things as well. So like, where's the line between staying in the hurt and the pain um, and the disappointment and moving to freedom? Like, cause you stay, but you also move to freedom. So like, where, where is that line, I guess? Well, that's a good question, Rebecca. I would <laughs> say, um, I say uh, it's, I don't think it's one or the other. I think they're totally connected. It's like this idea of where the wound, right, is our healing comes from the wound of Christ, right? Him dying on the cross. And so as we stay connected to our wounds, that is how we stay connected to freedom. That is how we stay connected to to God. And it's not one or other or black and white. It's wow, it's like staying close to my own humanity. And there, and there's, I don't think it's like, okay, now you're lonely and this is healed. And so now you have freedom. It's like, it's not a step up. It's not a constant step. I think of it more like a circle where it's like, wow, okay, there's my loneliness again, God, I'm going to the fridge because I feel lonely. And that is the, and in that there's that relationship right? There's the, but, but Angelie, I'm with you there. I'm with you. And so there's the freedom. It doesn't mean I still don't go to the fridge or don't pull out my phone, but I can do those things now in freedom. I can be on social media and scroll as out of love and not out of a neurotic need to feel my, fill my loneliness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's good. My personality is such that it's hard for me to have a circle. Like yeah, I wanted no. to move to here and then I wanted to move to here and then I wanted to move to here and then I want to get to a point. Like, um, obviously we all are at this point homeschooling our children. Some people were already doing it. Some of us are now doing it surprisingly. And so my, my daughter, my 10 year old is doing fractions on the plot line. And I, and I think that I think of that right now, right? Like yeah. I, I want there, I want this to be on a certain part of the plot line. And then I want to see another part of the plot line and I want to move it along that line, right. and that's not right, how it I'll works. Give you, I'll give you a plot line. Here's the plot line. <laughs> you go back. You have to go backwards and become like a child. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the plot line. Because in the in in the childness, there's a vulnerability, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, who has the five year olds? You have the five year olds, right? Rebecca Cochran does. They're yeah. they're learning their own emotions, and they're learning how to say, "I need help," like right now. And what that means to have self-control and what that means to say, like, I'm afraid. Like the way we grow into deeper intimacy with Christ is going back to being a child like that. Well, and it's funny because have you ever seen those charts that therapists give you where they give you like yeah. the five 
six like core emotions and there's all the like so Rebecca Pete probably doesn't know what I'm talking about. I've been in a lot what? of therapy, not to brag. Um, so <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> like a chart. Uh, well, for any listeners who don't know, and you know, it'll be like sad, sad, happy, like I don't know, like five emotions. And then there's all the different like nuanced emotions within those colors. Usually it's like a color chart. And um I was thinking when you were talking, like my daughters, they know like I've been trying so hard to give them emotional language and to say, like, well, are you mad or are you jealous? Or you know. But I think part of, and as adults, we have all of this really great emotional language, but a lot of times we don't acknowledge the core emotion of it, right? So we'll be like, I'm feeling envious of her. Well, really, I'm feeling sad. Like if you yeah. really under, under deep down, it's like, I'm sad because she has something I want and I'm oh, sad. Cool. And I think that part of growing in emotional intimacy with God is being able to go down to those core emotions and say, bring that to the Lord. Cause if you bring one of the fancy emotions, it's sort of like, okay, but what's, what's, what's like little kid Rebecca feeling right now? You know? Yes. 100%, 100% because I think because we, we don't really practice putting words to our emotions. We are very good at feeling them fast. We have a flash of fear and we get rid of it as quickly as we can. And that's that moment. There's that liminal space where it's like, no, 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 no. Before you move into how to solve it, how to fix it, how to avoid it, like, what is it you actually feel? And in like taking that into prayer, like, I feel jealous. Like, I want that person's story because I think it's better than mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. God, what do you think about that? Yeah. 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 It's hard work. <laughs> it is hard. You know what's it weird? Is it's it's weird but that it's both. Yeah. I think it's harder to live a neurotic life that we're all yeah. living. You know, I think that we're in a cycle of just like fixing, solving, going faster, moving quick, get over it, move on, pick yourself up. If you want to yeah. be successful, you just go for it. You know, I think it's actually I mean, it it is hard, but it's also easy. You know, it's like, oh, how do you feel right now? You it's know? like simple. Yeah. yeah. Simple. simple is a better That's way to put it. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a simple thing to do. No, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. So, so th- I, this kind of links with the question I just asked, but like, we, we want to stay with our daily aches like that's what brings us closer to Jesus that's where we find our intimacy with Jesus is is acknowledging those things and naming those things like we've been talking about but like how do we not linger there like what's the difference between staying and like lingering maybe maybe what you're asking is um what is the difference between despair and lament Mm, that's a good question that's because For some of us, it's very easy to stay. Honestly, there's some people who love staying. It's like (laughs) they could stay all day, all the live long day. And then there's other people who just avoid. Now, the temptation for the person who loves to stay is despair. Mm -hmm. Just get swallowed in it and to just dwell in it all day long to the point where they can't really... Is that, is that you? Yeah, and I would say you're the other one. Oh, I'm a I'm a chronic avoider. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> <This> <laughs> much better good. in the this past few years, good. but no, I'm that, 
my natural state is avoidance. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are a good balance. Um, and then the other, the other option, the other thing is lament. And that's different than despair. Lament is to be with God in your sorrow. Mm-hmm. So despair is being with yourself in your own sorrow. And lament is being with. And that is the invitation is, is to always be with whatever that. And it doesn't even have to be something that's bad. I mean, there's joy, there's gratitude, there's delight, there's hope. Like, how do we be in those things with another person, with God? And so that is, is that helpful? No, that's very helpful. No, I think that's a really, a really good yeah. distinction between despair and lament. No, I think, I think that's really good. No. Um, let's dig a little bit into, because you, you mentioned at the very beginning when we were talking about just what stay meant and where we stay and places we stay. Well, you touched on it and then we went past it and I want to go back to it on guilt and shame. And I yeah. think the chapter, um, when you talked about the differences between guilt and shame, I think there are so many women listening right now that are really struggling in those areas and knowing what the difference between the two is and, and how you stay and don't stay in those places. Does that make sense? Totally. I think we confuse guilt and shame a lot. So it's very helpful that we identify it. So guilt is really what you are afraid of. And shame is more of what you put on. So mm-hmm. think shame is more of like, I am bad. And mm-hmm. guilt is more, I'm afraid of being found out. Okay. Mm. So shame will be a lot of what we put on. Think mask, think performance, think, um, uh, you know, like you're going into public and think even clothing. We, I mean, we don't want to go out naked. So we have different clothing that we put on to cover up are bad. And then guilt Mm -hmm. is, right, there's, or, and shame is more of like, something's wrong with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then guilt is, I'm afraid that if anybody knew, they wouldn't like, like me or love me. So I have to hide it. So shame Mm -hmm. can be more, I think shame is more putting on and guilt is more turning inward. Okay. Yeah. And I think there's a really clear distinction. It's really important of false guilt and true guilt. This is big. So false guilt um, will tell you you have to do more, try harder, cover more, hide more. And true guilt will always lead you to the cross. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of women are drowning in false guilt. Right? Have you had that feeling of like, or that thought of, I, I have this sense of guilt, even when I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. Like I just mm-hmm. always feel, I always feel guilty. Yeah. And so it's again, that naming, like, well, what are you guilty of? Like, what's really going on? And um, there's this part in the book, which this line for me, which really changed a lot of my life was the only thing you are guilty of is not receiving the love of God. That's it. Mm. so whatever it is if it's true guilt if you've actually sinned against someone right if you've actually uh let's use slandered someone right so you move into that that's true you have true guilt you've actually done something wrong 
that will move you into relationship with God, that forgiveness of sins. And, and guess what? You're free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if you are not moving into relationship with God and confession and forgiveness, then you will have guilt. But true guilt, the only thing you are guilty of right now in this moment is not receiving God's love for you. That's good. That's, That's a good definition. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why do you think we all, I mean, <laughs> like we're talking about how it's easier or like it kind of is easy to stay in false guilt, I guess, because it's the devil, you know, and it kind of feels almost like an anxious way of keeping tabs on yourself. Yeah. We stay in that neurotic place instead of doing the simple thing of staying with our feelings. Like why, I mean, what do you think it is about us that makes it, what makes us want to do those things like the self-flagellation and just the, the, that, like, what is that? Oh, well, what do you think? I mean, my first thought is I think it's really hard for us to like need God. Like, I think there is a real true flesh side of us that wants to prove we can do it apart from God. That's my initial thought. What do you think? I would say the same. Yeah. I think it's just really, I would rather probably be neurotic than needy. Yeah. Like actually. Totally. Yeah, no, for real. Because it's terrifying. I mean, and I think that this whole like COVID-19 thing is really bringing that up. Like, we build all of these little securities around us all the time. And it's like, that's terrifying to think, to look around and be like, wow, am I really this crazy because I couldn't go to the grocery store today or because I couldn't drop my kids off at preschool? Like, wow, like I must really need those things. But it's like, we build up all these things to make us and routines are good. And like, it's good to get out of your house clearly. But I'm saying like, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's amazing how, needy I am and how I never realized it because nothing's ever stripped away from me and so acknowledging that yeah it's it's scary it really is really is and it's like I think you're naming it so well it's like as these um pillars that we've used to depend on have Mm -hmm. cracked right we don't have school to help us we don't have you know our moms or mother-in-laws coming over to help us we don't have financial security like as those pillars have been broken, it kind of reveals our hearts. Like, wow, I have been so dependent on everything else but God. Yeah. yeah. And it's painful self-awareness, man. That that's yeah. pain that does not feel good. Yeah. To feel the reality of who I, we are. And so I think you're absolutely correct when you say that. Like it's really a hard thing to start feeling our our reality. Yeah. That's true. It is. It takes a lot of courage. <laughs> it does. And it takes, um, and I think this is part of the guilt and the shame piece. What helps us move through that is, is being, we don't just stay with ourselves, right? That can also lead to despair. We don't just stay with God. We stay with other people. And there's this vulnerability of like inviting the truth of you to come out with other people. Like, the truth of right now. Like I am really frustrated that everything in my life has flipped upside down mm-hmm. and yeah. like let people see underneath that guilt, those things that were hiding that, that if they really knew what, if they really knew blank, fill that in, they would not like me. 
mm-hmm. you know, even with the shame, you know, that feeling of like, oh, I have to put on makeup. I have to wear the certain kind of clothes. I have to have well-behaved kids, fill in the blank, so that X, Y, Z will approve of me. You know, and it's like vulnerable saying that, like, I really need that person on social media to acknowledge me or I feel kind of crummy inside. Like that feels kind of embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But it's the only way. That's where it's like, that is the only way to love, to let people see the truth of who you are or you can never be loved. It's true. It's true. This is going deep here. You guys are asking great questions. <laughs> We're getting deep at an almost 8 p.m. for us um, level here. Uh, so <laughs> it's still so pretty and sunny there in California. And we're like, it's like dark here. <laughs> Dear Lord, I am feeling envy of Anjali's setting right now. I <laughs> know. Uh, I won't tell you they're all swimming next to me outside my window right here. Ah! All the- <laughs> oh nice. Oh nice. Oh goodness. Excellent excellent practice of staying though, Rebecca. Well done. You <laughs> for <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. I I mean I I was, I was gonna say say one more thing before we like kind of talk about how people can find you, but um, I I liked and uh, the I I now have I got a couple of days ago the actual book copy. Our listeners can't see that I'm holding it up, but I'm so excited to have it in hard copy. But so I have the advanced reader copy that I took my notes from. So of course the page numbers aren't going to be accurate, so I'm not going to say the page number. But there's a page where you say. Um, I don't want to show up with my gifts in order to be seen. I want to show up because I am seen. And I, I wrote that down because, um, I want that to be one of my biggest prayers because I struggle. So we don't have to go into the Enneagram, but that's what it always goes back to, unfortunately. Um, so (laughs) I'm a, I, am am a three on the Enneagram. And so, um, being seen is very important to me. And so as, as much as I don't like acknowledging that because it's embarrassing, (laughs) but, um, so when I think about my gifts and the way God's using me and, and our, our ministry with the podcast and my, my personal ministry is that I want to be a prayer, um, is that I want to show up, um, so that because I am seen by God, like, cause I think once I realized that I was, was doing that, that I was using my gifts to be seen, then I was like, well, then I don't need to use my gifts. Yeah. But instead mm-hmm. now there's freedom in, I, I named that I'm naming that, that I want to be seen. So, but that doesn't discount the gifts God's giving me, but if I can sit with him and let him see me and, and let him like, you know, let's use the cheesy phrase of being the audience of one, but like, as long as I can allow him to, he's the one I want to see me, not everybody else, then I can use the gifts. Does that make sense? And so I just wanted oh. to say that, that part of the book really spoke to me and I'm writing that down as like a, a prayer of mine to, to, you know, the, a, question, a question that might be helpful for you to sit with then Rebecca would be the question uh, for you of where are there times in your life where you have not felt seen by God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of let long. that <laughs> and let that resonate yeah 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 because that's the wound right 
like opening, like, God, where were you? Where yeah. were you when I was 12, 10, 18, 27? Yeah. You're probably only 27. So no, I'm 40, that's, but yeah. that's very sweet of you. <laughs> no, you know, it's like, um, I yeah. think that, that is the, that is the place where re, a good place to start staying is, but I didn't, but you weren't, I didn't think you weren't, I didn't feel you there. Where were you? You know, did you see me when that happened? Where were you when that happened? You know, and not as in putting him in, um, on the seat, but like what you would say to, um, like even a friend or like someone who's close to you. Like there was this really hard thing in my life and I just don't, I didn't feel like you were there where, you know, I just Mm -hmm. opening your heart up to some of those places where there might be some some grief or loss or pain. Yeah. No, that's really good. Well, I hope that this, um, I mean, we went real deep, (laughs) real fast, 45 minutes, but I also think there's so much of your story in the book that touches all of these things that we haven't even hit. Um, I really resonated with a lot of um, the beginning part of your story and your college story and all that. We can't, we don't have time to go into all of that, but that encourages people to buy the book. (laughs) Get it. Yes. So where can our listeners connect with you and purchase a copy of stay? Definitely. Okay. So there's two places I'm pretty active online. One is uh, at the Moms We Love Club. You might link these below, right? Uh, yeah, I'll put them in the yeah. So the Moms We Love Club, it's a social media campaign I started, but it's really staying with moms who are enduring long-term hardship. So follow along there, um, but mm-hmm. also lovealways.angeli. I'm really active on Instagram. And you can buy my book in Target. It will be on Target shelves. What? And Target, That's exciting. And Target is not on- closed in COVID-19, so we're good. <laughs> and and everyone is running to the bookshelves. So before you get toilet paper, go get the book. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it okay. is really nice. I, it I is. really appreciate your, just your honesty. I mean, and I, I feel like you don't hold back. And I just, I, I really... Speaking of the Enneagram, I'm a four. And so I really value when people are very honest and who they are. It really means a lot. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I have to get myself a normal copy too. <laughs> Yay, thank you guys. It really, I just love hanging out. It's such a great conversation. And a little Atlanta plug for those of most of our, I mean, we have listeners all over the United States, but we have a big contingency in Atlanta because we're from Atlanta and Catherine Wolf wrote the forward and she ah. lives in Atlanta. So for those oh, of you, yeah. those of you Atlantans who love Catherine, she wrote the forward. So, and we're also big fans on woven here of Emily Freeman. And she also wrote a nice little review on the back too. So if that helps push anybody Thank towards the book, you. because they, um, fabulous. we love both those people. So I'm very excited for you and everybody buy books. This is a hard time for people launching books. So we really hope that people, hey, if you have to stay home, you have to read. So buy some books. <laughs> and really, could I, I mean, I'm, it's a, it's a toss up. Part of me is like, this could be the worst time to launch a book or considering <laughs> the title of my book, it might be the best time ever. It may be perfect. So <laughs> the world mandated stay, go grab a copy of stay.
<laughs> Ooh, there you go. There's your Instagram tagline for your launch week. <laughs> okay. Angelie, thank you so much for being on Woven. Yes. And yeah. we will put all of your links and everything in the show notes. And um, yes, thank you. I mean, just taking the time. I know it's crazy right now. So, so crazy, but thank you. I love you guys. It's great to connect. Okay, you great. Too. Thank you, Angelie. Bye. Bye. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 